A couple of years ago, Joanne and I were driving home from somewhere. Yes, somewhere, because I don't even remember where we were coming from. But we both remember where we were. We were on ground. As we approached Captain D's, we saw a man run out from there with a brown bag. We thought something bad must have taken place inside a restaurant for him to be running out like that and crossing the road as if he was not aware of the danger. He seemed intent on running across the street without watching out for traffic. He crossed and stood at a bus stop, the bus stop opposite. Within what seemed like a couple of seconds, three police cruisers arrived, jumped out of their vehicles, pushed the man to the ground, lay on top of him, handcuffed him. That looked very aggressive to us. We talked about it. What could this man have done at the restaurant to have the police take him down so violently? I certainly thought about myself with my cervical disc degenerative issues and said, if I get taken down like that, that will be the end of me. The man was not a young man. Of course, all this happened in what seemed like a long time, but it was probably a minute or so as a stoplight turned red and then green, and we had to move. Every time the police is on the news for a violent arrest or for an arrest that leads to death, Joanne and I think about this incident. It's etched in our memories, and we can't unsee it. You see, it's about authority. How do people with authority use that authority? You know some people use authority for the good, but others completely abuse it. Now, even though some cops have been found guilty in recent years of violence against people whom they perceived as breaking the law, that is not the majority of them. The vast majority do their work with compassion. If you've had something done to you before and you call the police and they showed up, you really appreciate them. You are thankful that there are people with training on your side. What is clear is that whether you've had a negative experience with them or not, you know one thing is for sure. They have authority. At least until a court of law determines that they misuse the law or applied unnecessary force, you will be glad that they have the authority they have. If you had so much authority that no one could question you, how would you use it? Would you use it for the good or would you abuse it? I have no doubt that you would say you would use it for good. Very few people, perhaps no one, would say that they would abuse it. So you are part of the majority. Would you use your authority perfectly? Okay, not perfectly. Would it be 95% of the time? 75%? Without question, Jesus had authority. How did he use it? He used it perfectly, 100% for the good. As followers of Jesus, you do not have to worry about him using his, his authority to do anything to you that is questionable. He does not use it to cause you, his believers, any harm whatsoever. You and I may not always understand his authority, but it is for our good. We do not have to worry about it. 
we do not have to worry that we are on the receiving end of an arbitrary use of authority. His authority is for our good always. His disciples recognized this. At least the two unnamed disciples he sent ahead of him when they were at Bethphage on his final journey to Jerusalem, he knew, they knew it was for their good. They may or may not have understood right away when he sent them to go to the next village and bring the donkey and its foal to him. They recognized his authority and they knew he used it for good. It was a simple command. Go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs it and he will send them right away. Why would the Lord need the donkeys, given that he was only a mile or so from Jerusalem? Every now and then, Jesus says something that sends your imagination all over the place with many questions swirling around your brain. Is he asking his disciples to go and take something that does not belong to him? Is he asking them to go and bring the donkey and colt by force? What about the seventh commandment? You shall not steal. Did he know the owner, but the disciples did not know him? How many secret friends did Jesus have? Had he been making unannounced trips all by himself and making arrangements that he had not shared with his disciples? How can that happen, seeing that he is practically with them all the time? Now, some secret societies say they know for a fact that Jesus had made prior arrangements with the words and, and signals with the owner of the animals to release them. They say they have it in their ancient writings. Only those who have been initiated into their societies and have been deemed worthy can be allowed to see it. So I haven't seen it. Now, while we don't have a clear answer for how this going to untie a donkey and its colt and bringing them to Jesus for his final entry into Jerusalem would work, we know that God has done things that defy explanation. You know how Melchizedek came out of nowhere, yet he was already king of Salem. He blessed Abraham, who gave him a tithe. Melchizedek had no beginning or end. How is that possible? You know how in an instant that the world one at one time had only one language, suddenly spoke different languages and they could not understand each other. That's the Tower of Babel. How is that possible? God's work. You know how Balaam, Balaam's donkey would not go in the direction he wanted and Balaam got so frustrated he beat it with his staff on three occasions. The third time the donkey spoke. What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam said if he had a sword, he would kill the donkey right there and then. The donkey responded, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? How is that possible? God. God has the power and authority to do things that defy rational explanation. How is Jesus able to tell the disciples where to find the donkeys and how it will turn out? He is God the Son, God in the flesh. He's needing to ride 
a call to Jerusalem was in fulfillment of prophecies, words that God had given to his prophets to speak about the future. Jesus could easily have walked the one mile from Bethphage to Jerusalem, but it was necessary for him to fulfill the prophecy about himself. Zechariah had written 500 years earlier, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Isaiah had written even earlier, about 750 years before this event, the Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. The time had arrived. Just before this event, before they got to Bethphage, two blind men, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And even though the crowd had rebuked them and told them to be quiet, they would not. Jesus stopped, called them, asking them what they wanted him to do for them. They did not hesitate. They said it directly. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Authority for good. Who is this? The one with authority and uses it for good. Who is this? Is Jesus the savior from sin? Clearly, the people were glad to see Jesus ride the donkey. It was like a great festive occasion, and the crowds could not be cowed to stop their praise of him. This Jesus they had heard about, this Jesus they had seen perform miracles, benefiting some of them, were, were glad well, he was finally riding to Jerusalem. The oppressors would be overthrown, and they would have their country and their freedoms back. Who is this? This is Jesus, the one with authority for their good. The one who is going to be the liberator from the oppressors was finally on his way to accomplish his purpose. It was time. It was past time. They could not contain their joy. No wonder they broke out into praise. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save now. By this time, it had become an acclamation of praise. From a plea to heal, to praise about who he is. And both would happen shortly. Even though they misunderstood how this person would save them now, they were right in rejoicing because he would save them from an even more dire situation, even if they did not realize it yet. He would save them from eternal separation from God. He would reconcile them to God. Yes, he had come in the name of the Lord, but he would save by becoming a substitute who would take the punishment of God so that they would be free, eternally free children of God. He had not come to make war as we know war. He had come to make war by dying to save. He had not come to ride on a war horse. He had come as a humble king riding on a coat. As a hymn writer says about him, Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. O Christ, thy triumphs now begin over our captive death and conquered sin. They were right in praising him. 
For no one had done the works he had done thus far. No one even came close. Who is this? The Jerusalemites asked. If Jesus himself had decided to give an answer at that moment, it would be very different from what the crowd said. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet. Who is this? What would be your answer? A good man who ended up being killed because he opposed the religious authorities? A prophet with some powers who did not know when to stop? Someone who was always on the side of the poor and the oppressed? The son of God who did not use his authority to protect himself and his followers when he should have done so? Who is this? This is the son of God who took on human flesh for the express purpose of dying to save from eternal condemnation. God never ever meant the words he put into the minds and the mouths and pens of the prophets to be mere words. Perhaps the original hearers held on to those words with hope, but after a while disregarded them as words without meaning. But God never forgets his words. What he says, he fulfills. Yes, he fulfilled them in unexpected ways for us humans, but not for himself as God. He knew exactly what he meant by his words, and he knew exactly when he would allow them to take place. Jesus was the king, but he was a king coming in peace rather than one coming to conquer an oppressive empire. So he rode on a donkey, not a war horse. This king does not come in the usual definition of conquering. Rather, he comes for self-sacrifice, to give his life as a ransom payment for the world. He knows many will reject him, but that does not faze him. What he had come to do, he will do. He came to give his life as a ransom, not in some abstract way, but personally for you. Why was that necessary? Because there has to be a reckoning. God wants to live with you, but he cannot unless you are holy. And knowing you and knowing me, I know we cannot make ourselves holy. No matter how hard we try, that's impossible. Just ask the Apostle Peter. Just by the amount of fish he and his partners caught at the instruction of Jesus, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What we cannot do for ourselves, he did for us. He rode on that colt to Jerusalem for that purpose. He went there to die to make us holy, a people fit to live with God. But if all he did was ride to Jerusalem and to die, then we should have pity on him, and we should pity ourselves too, because it would not have served any good purpose. It would be just like any of the prophets who had come before him, but he rose again. No prophet was ever killed and rose again. Only Jesus did. He came for the most important mission ever undertaken, and he finished it. When the disciples brought the donkeys, they threw their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Matthew does not specifically mention palm branches, but John does. He said the great crowd took palm branches and went out to meet Jesus. Now people waved palm branches to celebrate victories. 
you live in the time after this event, but you know him. You know what he has done for you. When you hear Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, remember the eternal joy that awaits you. And when you hear the question, who is this concerning Jesus, may you never be hesitant in answering, it is Jesus who died and rose again for me to live in everlasting joy and peace with him and fellow believers. Amen. <laughs>